one thing that we need is Jesus. Thank you for that song and the message of the song. Um, so thankful for that. Um, if you have your Bible, I invite you, don't stand quite yet, open your Bible to Luke chapter 9. We'll be in the Gospel of Luke chapter 9, verse 18. Um, Brother McCracken said on Sunday night he was trying to have a watch service night. And so before the service, I was just talking to uh, a family. I won't say who it is, but I was talking to them and I said, hey, I heard Brother McCracken did a great job Sunday morning. He said, they said, no, Brother McCracken didn't preach, it was Pharaoh. I'm like, Pharaoh? They said, yeah, he wouldn't let God's people go. <laughs> No, but he did. I went back and listened to it. It was a great message. It was it was he did a fantastic job. And so thankful for even Sunday night and just the clarity that he brought to the, the, the passage and just so well, well done. So thankful for that. And I'm thankful for the opportunity to preach. Um, I don't take it light that God's called me to preach, but even the opportunity that you've given me to preach. And so thank you for that. And I'm thankful for Southwest Baptist Church, who um, we came and y'all just loved on us and. You love all my boys. And I'm thankful for that. And so thank you for just welcoming us in and, and let us to serve alongside of each and every one of you and the friends that friendships we have and the friendships Lord Willow will make as we continue to serve here along each one of every one of you and the opportunity to serve the children. Um, I would I would so much rather preach the children, but I'm thankful for the opportunity to preach tonight. Um, feel more comfortable with them, but Lord I'm Trust in his grace tonight. So um, before we get into the text, I want to give a little bit of background work as we work to uh, verse number 18. Uh, Jesus uh, gets his 12 disciples and he sends them out um, to go and to preach the kingdom of God and to heal diseases. And he sends them out. And as he sends them out, they go out to, to proclaim the message, tells them to take nothing with them. And they go out and they're just proclaiming the, the message of the gospel and the, the kingdom of God. And as they go in, he says that those that will hear the message, preach the message. But those that don't, he says, shake the dust off your feet. And so they're going around Galilee and, and proclaiming that message and, and healing diseases and, and, and doing the work of the Lord. And in verse 7, um, Herod the Tetrarch, he hears of the fame of Jesus that's going all around and he, he hears that people are saying this could be John the Baptist or Elias, which would be Elijah or one of the old prophets. But he, he knows that he beheaded John. And so he, that, that, that's going around. And then um, the disciples, they come back to Jesus in verse 10. And when they come back, Jesus is um, trying to get away privately with his disciples and the crowd follows him. And we see where Jesus, he takes five loaves of bread and two fishes and he feeds over 5,000 men and their families are there. And as he sends them away, um, Jesus is there and he begins, he begins to pray. And so that's where we pick up our text where verse 18, where Jesus is praying. So if you're physically able, I invite you to stand in the honor of reading God's word and we'll read his word beginning with verse number 18. The Bible says that and it came to pass as he was alone praying, his disciples were with him and he asked them saying, whom say the people that I am? They answering said, John the Baptist, but some say Elias and others say that one of the old prophets is risen again. And so they're, they're there and that's who the mainstream culture is thinking who Jesus is. And so, but Jesus turns the question and asks them and says, no, but whom do you say that I am? 
And Peter, with boldness, I imagine, said, said, answering, said, the Christ of God. Oh, what a bold declaration. I mean, amazing. I mean, the Bible even tells us that flesh and blood didn't reveal it, but God did. And he, he proclaimed that Jesus is the Messiah. And to which Jesus responds to him and answering him and he's charged them straightly and commanded them to tell no man this thing. He said, saying, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised a third day. So he tells them what his mission is, that he is there to to the son of man has come to to die for our sin and for sinners. And in verse 23, it picks up where he's teaching them. It's not about salvation from here on out. It's about discipleship and following the Lord and, and being committed to be his follower. Verse 23 says, And he said unto them, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So the command is deny self and, and take up our cross and follow him. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, for Christ's sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man's advantage if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be a castaway? For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in his father's and the holy angels. I've entitled the message, A Cross Must Be Born Before a Crown Can Be Worn. And, and I like illustrations and they help me out. And I don't always use them, but I try to. So I have a crown and back here, I borrowed it from Brother Seth Bailey. I have a cross just to help us picture um, the cross that God's called us to bear. Not a physical cross, but um, as we follow him, he wants us to, to bear a cross and to follow him. And we don't like to suffer. We don't like discomfort. But God's called us to deny self and follow him. Um, so let's pray and we'll consider the text tonight. Father, we come before you tonight. God, thank you so much for your word and the, the power your word has and the, the Holy Spirit, how he works. God, I'm confident this is where you'd have us to consider tonight, to be challenged, to, to a reminder, and, and even just help us to to daily take up our cross and to follow you and to identify with you and your surrender, your suffering and your sacrifice as, as we follow you on this earth. Um, you're so good to us and you're our savior and we should be willing to do that and to be reminded of this truth. I'm thankful for it and I'm thankful for who you are. Help me to preach in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you, be seated. Thank you for standing. Who is Jesus? Jesus, while he was praying, he, he asked the disciples, who do people say that I am? And so the disciples gave him answers. Some say that you're uh, John the Baptist. Some say that you're Elijah. And some say that you're a prophet, uh, an old time prophet that's risen from the dead. And so I, when thinking about that question and how that he's like, who do people say that I am? So I thought about, well, who do people in the world say who Jesus is? So I um, did a research on Barner Research and um, I printed them off instead of doing a PowerPoint because my best, my good friend, Brother Jonathan, I don't trust him. No, I'm just kidding. But um, I, it's right here. But it's um, who uh, they did a poll in, of America of about two to three thousand people. And it said, I believe Jesus was. 
And it has different groups, millennials, Gen Xers, boomers, elders, and then it has all adults. And so I'm just gonna do the all adult category. And it says that I believe Jesus was God. 56% say that they believe that Jesus was God. There's a percentage of 26 adults that they surveyed says that Jesus was only a religious or spiritual leader. And 18% weren't sure. And so that's what the mainstream uh, in our America that would, would believe who Jesus was. And they had another question up there that it said, when he lived on earth, Jesus Christ was human and committed sins like other people. So they had it up there strongly agree, uh, agree somewhat to strongly disagree. And out of all the adults, only 31% strongly disagreed that Jesus committed, was human and committed sin. Now, Jesus was human and he was 100% God, but he never did sin. And so there, there are those that are saying that, that Jesus committed sins. But in our text, Jesus, as he's asking the disciples who the people say that I am, they begin to say that some say that you're uh, John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist, I... I my, my mind and the way I think that John the Baptist would have been a big, burly guy uh, uh, and he would have had a booming voice as a preacher. I wish I had one, but he had, would have had a, I think he would have had a booming voice. He ate honey and locusts and had camel's hair for clothing. I mean, this guy was big and tough and he would preach and he would proclaim the truth of God. And I can imagine, and this is what my brain thinks, but as he's preaching, they could have had a locust leg sticking out in his teeth from not having cleaned it. But I, mean, I can't prove it, but it could have been that way. I mean, he was in the wilderness proclaiming God's truth. But one thing I do know that he was calling sinners, sinners to repentance. He was proclaiming that make straight the way of the Lord, that he's coming and to get ready and to repent and turn to God. And so John the Baptist's message was one of repentance. Well, Elijah, Elijah is also known for one that who would thunder God's message. And he went to Ahab and said, um, it's not going to rain for us. He just said, it's not going to rain. And he calls Ahab out for his wickedness in the nation. And it doesn't rain for three and a half years. And we find Elijah who is there. And as Elijah is on Mount Carmel and he's, he's um, there and he, he says that the message he preached, if the Lord be God, follow him and serve him. But the, if Baal be God, follow him and serve him. And so you have him up there and in the prayer that he prays as he prays, just a simple prayer, but the, the fire from heaven falls down and consumes the sacrifice and licks up the water. And, and the, the, the way that God used him and the message that he preached about uh, follow God. And, and so the Old Testament prophets, all of them would confront God's people with a message of, from the Lord. And so I can imagine that maybe people thought that Jesus was one of these men is because they all had the same message. True. The message of repentance and calling sinners to, to God, to could come back to God or to come to God. And so that the message would have been the same, I believe. And so here they are. And that's who the main people think that he is. And many people today don't think that Jesus is a loving God who accepts people the, the way they are. And it's okay if they live the way they are. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that, that Jesus, yes, he does love people the way they are, but he calls them to repentance and to place their faith and trust in him alone and to, to, to follow him when they get saved, to give their life and be committed to following him. And so that's who Jesus is of the Bible, but the mainstream, they don't agree with that. And Jesus then takes and turns this question from what the society is saying to who do you say that I am? Let's not worry about them. Let's worry about ourselves. 
And Peter, he stands up and boldly declares that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. And absolutely, he is the Messiah. And he is God himself who came and to die on the cross for our sins. And so here's Peter making that bold declaration that he is the anointed one, the Messiah, the, the, the one who Israel had long waited for to, to free them and to, the, to rescue them, the Savior of the world, the, the Christ of God, deity himself. He is God himself. And, and what a proud moment that must have been for Peter as he boldly proclaims that he is a Messiah, the one who would free Israel from their sin. See, I believe that Jesus is asking this question for a twofold reason. But then I, I, before I go there, I want to ask you, and I know that a Wednesday night crowd and if many in here, if not all, would say, yes, Jesus is a Messiah. Jesus is Lord. But maybe there's someone here who doesn't believe in God or, or that has doubts or questions. He is a Messiah. And, and you can place your faith and trust in him tonight. But for the majority in here, I would believe that you would say, yes, he is a Messiah. He is God himself. He is our king. He is supreme authority overall. And so as Jesus asked Peter this question, I think that one of the reasons why Jesus asked this question is so that they could feel the, the gulf which separated them from the culture and the nation. See, the culture and nation was waiting for the Messiah to come to set up his earthly kingdom, to free them from the Roman oppression. And Jesus, that's not why Jesus came. He came to save sinners from their sins. He, he, he wanted them to hold fast by their unshared faith and be ready to suffer for it. It braced the disciples to know that they are but a little company in the midst of multitudes who laugh at their beliefs. I think the second reason I kind of touched on a little bit that the disciples had the, same, the mindset that Jesus, who is the Messiah, which he is, would free them from the Roman oppression and that he'll set up his, his kingdom. This was a mindset of society as a whole that they're waiting for the Messiah to free them from the Roman oppression. See, Peter, even a few verses later from 27 through 36, um, Jesus is in the mountain and the transfiguration and he's there and he sees them and he, what does he want to do? Build him a tabernacle and set up, his, set up some stuff for the Lord. And so I believe that they had this mindset. And so Jesus is telling them, no, that's not what I've come. I, I've come to rescue people from their sin. Right. See, if Jesus then tells them and says, don't tell anyone who I am. We're supposed to go declare the gospel but I believe he says this because that the culture at whole was waiting for the Messiah who would set his earthly king or his kingdom on earth and free them from the Roman oppression. And if he, they went out and said anything that it would cause an uproar among the people. And he wasn't ready because the will of his father was to die on the cross and it wasn't time. He's headed to the cross. He's on his way to Jerusalem, but it wasn't time yet. He goes on to tell them that the Son of Man must suffer many things. The Son of Man, Jesus as 100% man, but is also 100% God. He, he felt everything that we would feel. As, as a human, he experienced suffering. He experienced hunger. He experienced tiredness. And as 100% man, he, he came to suffer and to pay for our sins, but yet 100% God to die on the cross to redeem us from our sins. And as 100% man and 100% God, he came and he says that the Son of Man must suffer many things. We don't like suffering. I don't like suffering. 
When my belly's growling, I'm looking for food. Right. Nobody likes suffering. But Jesus said that he must suffer many things. Jesus would be betrayed by Judas, one of the 12, and be sold to the chief priests. And, and the religious leaders, the Sanhedrin, would, would gather and, and take him and have him arrested. The chief priests and the, the elders and the scribes, they would take him and Jesus would be arrested. He would be taken into the judgment hall where he would be beaten and mocked. They would, they would pull his beard out and they would spit upon him. They would blindfold him and they would, they would smote him in, on the face. The Bible tells us that Pilate had Jesus scourged to appease the people. Scourging or a flogging would be where they would take a, 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 a flagellum, flagellum and, or, and take that, uh, uh, it's made of uh, a leather, three leather whip that they would have um, metal on the end of it and shards of bone and they would take that whip and they, they took Jesus and they, they, they took him and they bent him over a pole and they took the, the whip and they took it and they would whip him. And when they went down, they would dig down into it and they would beat and they would do that over and over. And they scourged Jesus. Pilate had them scourge Jesus and, and where his flesh would be showing and, and bones would be showing where he was bruised and he was wounded. For what? For our sins. And Jesus, as a son of man, uh, said that he would suffer these things and that he would, be, he would be, take our sin upon us. The suffering that Jesus went through as a son of man, but as God, they took him and they led him up the hill called Mount Calvary where they would crucify him. Jesus, who had been beaten and betrayed, would be carrying his own cross to the hill called Mount Calvary to suffer and die for you and me, that we could be redeemed, that we could be bought by his precious blood. And Jesus, he hung on the cross there and he, he, he hung and he willingly paid for our sins. But Three day, but he died and three days later he rose from the dead to pay for our sins and he's alive evermore. And, and if you're in here tonight and you've never asked Jesus to be your savior and you've never asked Jesus come to the cross and said, I know I've sinned and I uh, you can believe on him and place your faith and trust in him alone for salvation. He bore the cross for our sins. The savior who in heaven where he rightfully belongs, he laid his crown aside, came and took on human flesh and willingly died on the cross and put a crown of thorns on as they put crowns of thorns on his head. And he died for our sins. He willingly did that for us. And when he did that, he conquered death and grave and offers life eternal to anyone who will believe. And he's in heaven now in his rightful spot with his crown. King of kings, Lord of lords, Amen. supreme. And as they sang a minute ago, he's coming back one day to take those who have placed their faith and trust in him alone to, to go to heaven. And he bore the cross and he wears the crown. And we, if we're going to be his disciple, he tells us that we must do the same thing, that we must be willing to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow him. He looks at his disciples and begins to teach them, say, if you're going to follow me, you must deny yourself and take 
up your cross daily and follow me. Don't let Facebook or Twitter define following Jesus for you. If following Jesus only means a click or a thumbs up, then everyone would be doing it. Following him is, would require us to deny ourselves. When Christ bids someone to follow him, he bids them to come and die, die to self. It's self that's to be denied and to, to follow him and to give our lives to him. When anyone in that day and time would see a cross, they knew that it meant death. And knew that, that it, was, it meant that their life was over because the, the symbol of the cross would have meant torture and death and suffering. And so here, here Jesus is, is telling that we must take up our cross. We can't follow Jesus and come first at the same time. We, we have to deny ourselves. To take up our cross means that there's no vacations, no holidays, no sick days, no summer breaks. It means every day we're to get up and wake up and say, good morning, my cross, and follow him. Right. Now, if you wake up in the morning and you're looking at your spouse, please don't say, good morning, my cross. <laughs> or, or your kids who wake you up in the middle of the night. No, no, but you look in the mirror and say, good morning, cross, and deny ourselves and to, and to give ourselves to the Lord. Say, Lord, it's not my will, but your will be done. What is it that you have for me? And to be willing to deny ourselves daily and to follow him. It's self to be denied, not this or that. Jesus wants us. He doesn't, he owns everything. He wants us. He wants us to deny ourselves and say, identify with him. He says, it goes on later in verse 24, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall save it. He wants us to do it for his sake, to identify with him. It's, it's this, it's this. It's basically voluntarily, Turning yourself in to Jesus, say, I'm yours. Whatever you bid me to do, I'm willing to follow you. I'm following you wherever you want me to go. I'm willing to go, Lord, and just voluntarily turn yourself in to whatever Jesus has for you, whatever his cross is for you to, to follow him. And so Jesus calls us to do that daily, to voluntarily turn ourselves in. And as he's telling the disciples that we need to deny ourselves of self and give our lives to him and follow him. It's going to take denying. We don't like to deny ourselves of anything. We're Americans. I'm an American. I, I know what it's like to, to, but God's called us to deny ourselves and to take up our cross and follow him wherever he leads to us to go, to do that. If it means to be mocked at or ridiculed, if it means to suffer, if it means to, uh, to, to even be willing to go to the mission field, and die on the mission field for him. If he bids us to go, we would have no other greater joy than to go and follow him and deny ourselves. And so Jesus is telling the disciples that if you're going to be my disciple, you've got to take up your cross and follow me. If we're going to be his disciple indeed and, and, and follow him, we must take up our cross and follow him wherever that may lead. And so here's Jesus. He's telling his disciples that they need to, to take their cross and follow him. And he tells them what they're going to need to do. And he goes on and he says that for whosoever will save his life shall lose it. The word save would mean to not deny yourself. And shall lose it would mean that it'll count for nothing. Well, if it counts for nothing, it counts nothing for Christ. But whosoever will lose his life, deny himself for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man's advantage if he gain the whole world? If we go and in this world and 
do what we want to do and not deny ourselves and following Christ, what profit does it give to us to gain everything in this world and to, and to deny Christ and not follow him? It profits nothing. He goes on and says that lose himself or be a castaway. The word castaway means the same Greek word is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 where at the judgment seat of Christ that when it's the, the wood, hay, and stubble that's burned up, it shall suffer loss. Right. It would count for nothing. Right. And Christ is calling us, if we're going to be his disciple indeed, if we're going to do anything that counts for him, we must deny self and follow him and give our lives wholly to him. Many people in life want to experience glory or joyful times without the denying of self. Fast forward um, several chapters, chapter 22, we have Peter. Peter said, Lord, I'm going to die. I'm going to go and I'm going to die with you. And here's Peter um, there and he's following Jesus afar off. But he can see Christ. And he's there warming himself by the fire and a maid says, you're one of his. But he denies to identify with Jesus' surrender. He didn't deny himself. He denied Christ. A little bit later, he's there and somebody says, hey, you're one of his disciples. And he says, no, I'm not. He denied to identify with Jesus' sufferings. A little while later, he's still there and he's watching as they're in the judgment hall there. And, and as he's there, somebody says, hey, your speech says you're a Galilean. You, you're one of his followers. We know that. And Peter curses and says, I'm not one of his. And he denied to identify with his sacrifice, to identify with Christ. And at that same moment, he looks up and in the distance, he sees Jesus looking at him. I don't know, but... Peter felt ashamed. He went out and wept bitterly. He was not willing to deny himself and follow Christ. Jesus has called us to bear our cross because a cross must be born before a crown can be worn. Many people want to have a close and strong relationship with Christ. And they want a thriving relationship with Christ, right. with God. But not everyone is willing to do what is necessary to deny themselves, to spend time with them daily. The alarm clock goes off. Hit the snooze button. Not scheduling purpose, purposeful time allowing our, your phone to interrupt the time spent with Christ. Anyone who is married wants a strong marriage, but not everyone is willing to deny themselves the role that God has for them. Husbands to love their wife as Christ loved the church, or, or for wives to reverence her husband as, as he commands in the scripture and, and following him in that fashion. Every Sunday school teacher desires a thriving Sunday school class, but not every teacher desires to deny themselves in the time it takes to study and prepare, right. to go out and spend time visiting, true. getting to know the children, right. 
denying yourself of a Saturday morning or a, a Tuesday evening to go out and visit them and get to know them and, and get to know their names, whether they ride a bus or whether they're here and they come to church and their parents bring them. They don't want to deny or they have a tendency not to deny themselves and deny time to pray regularly for their Sunday school class and uh, to see God at work and to do that. It's going to take denying our our time and saying, you know, I'm going to take time and do this. I'm going to spend time. I'm going to deny myself of my wants and and do that. Or maybe you teach adults Sunday school class and and you want to see it thriving and spend time with those that are there and get to know them and, and do things with them. Everyone who serves on bus desires to see the bus thriving, but not everyone's willing to deny the time it takes to go out and to get new prospects, to go out and door knock, to to go out and to try to get more riders to come or to purposely have time for the ride to church and the ride from church and and make it meaningful and prepare and, and the time it takes for that or to pray for every rider regularly on a regular basis. Everyone that has a family as children, would desire to see, uh, have a godly family and to see children, their children be, grow up to be godly young children. But not everyone's willing to take what it, do what it takes to spend time with them and te- teach them the word of God and have devotions with them. To, to be consistent in, in training and teaching. Consistency is hard. We don't want to deny ourselves. When we're sitting in the recliner and the boys are acting, I'm like, oh. I, but you know what? I need to remind myself and get up and, and lovingly go correct. And guys, we have to deny ourselves and be willing to do what it takes, what the Bible says, to, to train them and to teach them that they can become godly young children and, and have them in church service. I know you're on, here on a, church, Sunday, a Wednesday night and it's the choir. And I, I, you're, like, you're like the choir, but... If I was in the choir, it would be off key. And sometimes it can, the choir can be off key. And, and so but Christ has called us to deny ourselves and, and make church a priority. He, he says, for, not forsake the assemblies of ourselves together. Amen. And we need to be in church every service. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Sunday school. Be in Sunday school, a perfect time for children and even adults to be taught the word of God as going through the book of Genesis as in adult Sunday school classes. Maybe God's calling you to deny yourself and take your cross and serve in a ministry here at Southwest Baptist Church. Maybe he's calling you to serve in the bus ministry, but you leave like at 7.15. Yeah, we do, or most of them do. Some leave at 8.20. It's cold right now. Yeah, it's cold right now, but it's going to get warm and hot and then you'll wish it was cold and then you'll wish it was hot and then so we just go back and forth or... It's, it's, we have to deny ourselves. It's messy. Yeah, it's messy. But God wants to change those lives of messy children and have another brother, Javi, who's come through the bus ministry is now serving on Southwest Baptist Church or, or have somebody like Brother Ted said this morning in, in staff meeting about a man who came and rode the bus and said that, commented and said that he is now down in Tyler, Texas and he's a doctor. You never know who God wants to use to change lives for his honor and his glory. Maybe he's calling you to help out in the four and five-year-olds. They'll get me dirty on Sunday morning. Yeah, that's why I don't wear really super brand new clothes. Because, I mean, it's going to happen. That's part of it. It's okay. But Christ, if if God's calling you to a ministry, not everybody's going to be able to serve in four and five-year-olds. 
But if God's calling you to do something or serve something here at Southwest Baptist Church, there's no better joy than to take up your cross and follow Him. And it's really not a cross to bear, really. It's a joy serving Him in these ministries. Maybe God is working in your heart about serving in nursery. Listen, it's quiet. Thank God for the nursery workers who serve week in and week out. Maybe He's calling you to do that. Well, there's crying babies. Yes, there's diapers. Yes, that's why I said my boys. No, 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 no. Maybe God's calling you to serve in the nursery ministry or maybe he's calling you to serve in full-time ministry. And you're just, you're not willing to deny yourself, please. Because you know what the cost would be is to go wherever he calls you. Maybe it's in a foreign field as a missionary. Maybe it's as a church planner. Maybe it's the, the, lux- the life that maybe you have right now with good finances or, or security. And if you were to get up and go in ministry, you wouldn't have that same job. If God's calling you in ministry, there's no greater joy than to, to take up your cross and follow him and get, surrender your life to him. I'll never forget, as God was working in my heart to surrender to ministry, I grew up in North Carolina, and in North Carolina, they have old historic houses and, I mean, colonial-type houses with, I mean, big yards and big wraparound front porch. And I had a, as a little boy, I already had a house picked out that I wanted. And, I mean, it was this big three-story house with a full wraparound porch, had a basement. I mean, had a nice big front yard and a swing on the front porch. And I thought, you know what, I want to have kids a lot, I, I want to have a lot of kids. And so we, I was like, I, want, I still want, I want to have a lot of kids and have them play in the front yard and sit on the front porch and, and enjoy it and have ice cold tea. Yeah. That was just my dream. I mean, I didn't ever want to leave Weldon, North Carolina. I wanted to stay there my whole life. I went out of town many times and I was always ready to go back. And I just, one of the things that God had to work in my heart was giving up that dream and denying myself. It's really not that hard, but to me, it was challenging so he called me to go to West Texas where, for a while and where I walked outside and had a, a glass of sludge from the dirt storm that came through to drink. And, and then, he, then when he, I knew he was calling us to Oklahoma City, I knew there's tornadoes here and I don't want to be around tornadoes. Elijah went up in a whirlwind, but that was pretty cool. But most people that go up in the whirlwind, that doesn't happen to them. And I, I didn't want that. And God had to ch- challenge me and, and, and convict me and say, trust me. Take up your cross. Deny yourself. And I, won't reg- I don't regret one minute from the call of answering the call from leaving North Carolina to come here for school and then going to Lubbock, Texas and coming back here because I, God uses me for some strange reason and I get to see people saved and watch God do things in lives and it's no greater joy. But a cross must be born before a crown can be worn. The hymn writer wrote it best, wrote it really well. Take up thy cross and follow me. I heard the master say, I gave my life to ransom thee. Surrender your all today. Father, we come before you this evening. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of your word. God, I pray that um, you would continue to do a great work in our lives and help us to take up our cross and daily follow you and surrender our lives to you each and every day. 
Maybe you are working on someone's heart about surrendering to full-time ministry or, or a ministry here at Southwest Baptist Church as a door greeter or in the parking lot or, or whatever it might be, God, or in the bus ministry, even to ride along this Sunday just for one Sunday. Whatever it is, God, that they would follow your will. There's a need for preachers, but there's also a need for faithful lay people who serve you in, in the local churches. So, God, would you do a great work and continue to help us to follow you and give you the honor and glory that's due to your holy and precious name. It's in Christ and we pray. Amen.